Well, guys, we're going to be wrapping up our series today, uh, one that we started way back in September. And, uh, you know, the way this whole ser- series even started was just kind of what uh, Sean and I have been going through uh, over the last years, but it seemed to precipitate and kind of get worse, especially for me this summer. Um, I kind of hit a low point in uh, the storms that we've been facing, and, uh, and I was just questioning God and wondering, what in the world is He doing? Why doesn't He answer prayer? And just so many questions came up, and I was just filled with so much doubt. And, and even to the point where I wanted to even quit being a pastor because I thought, what's, what's the point? And um, through that whole kind of uh, journey in the month of August, God, in a sense, said, Luke, this is what you need to preach about. And so really this series has been me just inviting you into my journey. Um, not really knowing where we were going to go. It was just kind of a, a week at a time, just asking God to, to show us what He wants to show us in the midst of suffering. And so hopefully, uh, my hope is that somehow you've been encouraged to persevere in your storm. Um, I hope that somehow you realize that you know, maybe you're not the only one in a storm, that there are many around us who are suffering. That's something that for me has just opened my eyes, that there are so many in our midst who are suffering. Um, and, and we all struggle with the same thoughts. We all struggle with the same questions. Um, we have the same doubts. And hopefully in all this, we may have be able to work through some of that and realize that we don't have to suffer alone. Um, we can be willing to be real with each other, each other and join hands in our suffering as, <clears throat> as we learn to cling to Jesus in the midst of it. And that's my hope for this series. I hope that we've really, in a sense, learned to cling to Jesus. Um, together, especially as a family. I went kind of back and forth as to how we were going to end this series because to be honest with you, I don't know about you, but I still have so many questions in regards to suffering. I feel like I could go on for another three months just trying to unpack all these different questions. And, I, and I'd love to actually do that, but we're, we're going to need to wrap this series up as we're coming up on Christmas and the end of the year. And so I was thinking and, and praying as to how I would wrap this up. And really, I kind of just felt like the Lord just led me to just a challenge, a, a rally cry in a sense, a, a, a um, charge the hill sort of cry to end this series with just that let's just keep running hard. In the midst of our storm, let's not give up. And so I thought I'd do that today. And you know, a couple of weeks ago I was listening to a podcast um, about a Navy SEAL and he was talking about his training and different things that they went through in training and how incredibly tough it was. And as I was listening to him talk, it, it kind of hit me of how similar the, the reality of life is, especially following Jesus, living life as a Christian in this world and all the suffering that we go through. And so I thought I would kind of correlate that today and talk about that because as I was kind of hearing this guy talk about the Navy SEALs, specifically the training and specifically a, a certain period in that training called Hell Week. Uh, many of us have heard this, but Hell Week is a five and a half day, uh, five and a half days of cold, wet, brutally difficult operational training for trainees who are running on fewer than guess how many hours of sleep in those five and a half days. Four hours of sleep in five and a half days. I can't even imagine. I think after that I'd be hitting the nuclear codes and launching. I would be out of my mind. Now, the point of Hell Week is to weed out the trainees that don't have the mental or physical resolve to stand up in difficult and stressful situations and always make the right choice. Uh, They want the elite few who are able to do 
the incredibly difficult jobs that they're going to be asked to do later, and they want to make sure they have the right people to do that. In Hell Week, um, only 25% of the trainees who enter the training make it through Hell Week. And here's why. It is crazy intense. Um, trainees are constantly in motion. They're running, they're swimming, they're paddling, they're carrying boats on their heads, they're doing log um, physical uh, training, they're doing sit-ups, they're doing push-ups, they're rolling in the sand, they're slogging through mud, they're paddling boats, they're doing something what they call surf passage. And then they have times where they stand still, and you think, oh, finally to be able to stand still. But standing still can be just as challenging when you're standing for what seems like forever in formation, soaking wet on the beach, up to your waist in water with the cold ocean wind just cutting through you, mud all over your uniforms, all over your hands and faces, everything but your eyes are showing. And the sand, you know, just chafes your raw skin and salt water gets in it and makes it burn and Five and a half days of this nonstop with only four hours of sleep. And you know, the whole time, instructors are walking around these trainees, um, yelling at the trainees, belittling them, encouraging the trainees to quit, to just give up. They're, they're, they're putting all this physical and mental stress on them, sowing seeds of doubt, saying, you can't do this. Come on, you are not good enough. You're too weak. You don't have what it takes. And they're giving the trainees, you know, the temptation to quit. They'll tell the trainees, if you just quit right now, if you walk up there and you ring that bell, then you can quit this. We will give you a nice big cup of hot chocolate. You can sit by a fire and you can sleep for as long as you want to and all the suffering will be over. Go ahead and ring the bell. Call it quits. The suffering can be over. And you know what? Invariably, trainee after trainee after trainee, we'll give up and quit and ring the bell. And you know, I got to thinking about the life of a follower of Christ, living the life of following Jesus in this current world. Let me tell you, it's not easy. You know. It just isn't. It's, it's kind of like life in this world throws us hell week after hell week after hell week. And the world which is dead set against us wants us to give up. The world is tough. Even Jesus said these words. You know these words. He says, in this world you will what? Have trouble. I mean, Jesus warns us of that. In this world, we're going to have trouble. We're going to suffer day in and day out. We're going to come up against this world and the world's going to slap us in the face over and over and over. We're going to face hardship. We're going to face suffering. We're going to face sickness. We're going to face pain. We're going to face betrayal. We're going to face inequalities. We're going to face losses and death. We're going to face unspeakable tragedies. And on and on it goes. In this world, you will have trouble. He doesn't say, in this world, you might have trouble. No, he says, you will have trouble. It's a guarantee. In this world, you're going to have hell weeks. And in the midst of these hardships and these trials and these sufferings, there's an enemy who walks around constantly belittling us. Constantly trying to get us to doubt God. Constantly trying to get us to question His goodness. You aren't strong enough. 
God doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. You won't be able to make it. You're a constant failure. You're worthless. You have no value. Just quit. Why even try? Distract yourself with this. Distract yourself with that. Here, enjoy the pleasures of this activity for a while. It won't hurt you. Constantly trying to get us to quit, to give up, and to ring the bell. And as you and I both know, in life there are times where it is crazy tempting to give up and ring that bell. You know how it is when you're, you're working out and you're on that treadmill and you're supposed to run for, what, 20 minutes or whatever it is you choose and you're at mile or you're at minute 15 and you're like, oh, I want to quit. I just want to give up right now. And you just want to hit that emergency stop button that you rip off and, and just stop. Or you're lifting weights and you're going for that final lift and you're just like, oh, I don't want to push it anymore. You, ju- you just want to quit. I remember I, I was like that in sports and in, in track. I, I hated long distance. I just despised. How many of you guys like long distance? If you notice, there's only like 10 hands. That should t- tell you something. But yeah, I, I hated long distance. And every once in a while in track, our coach would say, all right, guys, we're going to do the two-mile run. I want you guys to run up 11th Street, go up to G cross over on G, come back on 10th Street, and then run back to the stadium here to where we're working out. And uh, so me and my best friend, we came up with a little kind of solution for that. We'd kind of let everybody take off. The whole team would take off running. They'd run off, and we'd kind of jog behind, you know, whatever. And rather than run up to G, we would just cut over on H or whatever it was, and we would shoot across, and then we'd hide, and we'd wait for the crew to come running, and then we'd pick up behind them, and we'd run in, and we'd all... You know, acting like we'd just run two miles. And it's funny because his grandma lived right here. And so we'd go to his grandma's house and eat ice cream cones and, and stuff like that and wait for the crew to run by. <laughs> then we'd run with them. Needless to say, I never won state or anything in any of the long distance sort of stuff. But I, w- I would just give up. I wouldn't even, I would just ring the bell when it came to, to long distance. But you know, worse, I, I've, I've noticed that I've made it a habit to do it in my own spiritual life. In my suffering, um, I don't know if you guys experience this, but rather than cling to God, I, I often run to anything that gets me out of my suffering for a while. I, I run to busyness, and I, I run to temptation, and I run to entertainment, and I run to this or to that, and I run to whatever is being offered me to escape the pain and allow me to distract myself from the suffering that I'm going through. And I just plain quit. I ring the bell. And I've come to realize how incredibly weak and how incredibly soft I am. You know, I read the stories of, of Peter and, and John and Paul and the New Testament and all the New Testament church and, and seeing what they went through and all the hardship and persecution and they endured. I mean, it's incredible. There, there's a story of Peter and John where they go to the, to the temple and they walk by Solomon's colonnade and there's this this beggar there who is crippled for 40 years and they, they heal him and he gets up and he walks and runs and it's this amazing thing. Well, they get taken to the Sanhedrin. They get in trouble for it. And they get chewed out and, and you know, um, they said, please, you know, do not preach in the name of Jesus anymore. Do not do anything in the name of Jesus. And they had Peter and John flogged. Now, it just uses the word flogged and we kind of just read over it. But that was a 40 lashes minus one, so 39 lashes. And the reason they wouldn't do 40 is because they found out that 40 would often kill the man. 
And it was this cat of nine tails where they'd drag it over the back and rip it off and chunks of flesh would come off and it was horrific. That's what Peter and John went through for preaching in the name of Jesus, for healing this man in the name of Jesus. You know it says that they, right after that flogging, they went home what? Rejoicing, having the privilege to suffer for the name of Christ. Then they gathered as a group of believers and they prayed for perseverance and boldness. They said, God, give us boldness so that we can go out and do your work. And I look at that and say, man, am I a wimp? Because I'm not sure... I would have done that. And it kills me how easy it is for me just to quit. And you know, I've come to find out, I don't know if you've experienced this, but quitting may feel good for a very short time, but in the end it makes things worse. In fact, you know, in the Navy SEALs, back to the Navy SEALs for a second, what I heard and I read from those who've quit, who've given up on the training and they've rung that bell, yeah, the grueling physical and mental fatigue may have been over, they may have got to go sit by that fire and sip on uh, their hot chocolate, but the emotional pain of quitting has stuck with them their whole life. And I found the same thing to be true. You know, quitting may feel good for a while, but in the end it causes more pain. It doesn't lead to the real life that I'm looking for and wanting in my life. You know, like it says in Hebrews about Moses, I love this passage. Let me read it to you. Hebrews 11.25. It's talking about Moses. It says, He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead for his reward. And you see, I think that's where I so often make my mistake. I don't look forward to the future reward. And therefore, I, I fail to see the value of suffering. Instead, in my desire to be you know, instantly gratified, I see the treasures of Egypt, and I see the pleasures of sin, and I run to those. I just want out of my suffering. And so these seem like great solutions. And like it says in the verse, they're short-lived. And they always lead to death. And they always lead to more pain. And they lead to more hurt. And they lead to more damage. And my failure lies in the fact that I don't look forward to the future reward. I don't focus on the value of the kingdom of God. And how this suffering for the sake of Christ is of way more greater value than what the world has to offer. I have to set my eyes on that. I have to train myself to set my eyes on that. You know, they've done study, studies and research on, on to determine what the common trait for those, you know, trainees going through the training, what is the common trait for those individuals who make it through Hell Week? What gets them through that horrific week? And you know, oddly enough, it is not the largest man or the strongest man or the fastest swimmer. Guess what it is that, gets that, that they found out that gets that person through? It is perseverance, but what helps them persevere? Here it is. It is the person who has the burning desire within them to become a Navy SEAL. It's those men that make it through the training. 
They refuse to settle for the pleasures of a hot fire and a hot chocolate that only lasts for a short time. And instead, in their minds, they focus on the greater value of becoming a Navy SEAL. And you know what, guys? That should be our vision as well. We should want to be sold out disciples of Jesus. That should be our only desire in our life, to be the best follower of Christ that we could ever be. Amen? I want to one day stand before my Lord and my Savior and have him say, Luke, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want one day to receive all the rewards that we read about in in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 to those who overcome the world. I want to receive those things. You know, it says, to those who overcome, they will be pillars in the temple of God. I don't know what that means, but I want to be that. I want to have the name of God written on my forehead. I want to be dressed in white robes. I I want to eat the hidden manna. I want to be given a white stone where a new name is going to be written on it that's known only between me and Jesus. I want my name to be written in the book of life to no longer be touched by the second death. To those who overcome the world... That's what my vision should be set upon. Like Moses, we should be looking ahead to our our reward and not to instant gratification right now. And you know, guys, from what I can tell, what we have to look forward to is beyond our imagination. Let me show you in Romans 8, 18. It says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory of that will be revealed in us. I'm going to read that again. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. There's no comparison. In fact, I want to do this analogy just to kind of help us. I think we can get our heads around it. But John, if you could come up here. And let's say that I give John this little job. My job, I'm going to ask you to do this. If you could hold it, palms down, and hold it straight out. Come on, get it up there, straight out. There you go. You're a physical therapist. This should be no problem for you. And let's just say that I'm asking John to do this job, and I'm saying, John, there is going to be a reward. So just hang in there. You're going to get this reward when it's all done. Now, let's give him five more seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. I know you could have gone another two hours. You can put those down, John. But here is your reward for having done that. John, I'm giving you and your wife a cruise. You can go on it to wherever you want. There's a trip to Hawaii. There's also another trip to Italy. And you know what? You're going to need some spending cash there. So here's 1000 2000 I think there's 20000 30000 40000 50000 You know what? I'm going to give you a full 100000 Thank you for doing that. That was an amazing thing. Now, John right here would go, how, how much is in his hand? There's a huge gift in his hand. Is there any comparison to holding that little weenie thing for 30 seconds? <laughs> no! I mean, what he's got in his hands is like, dude, I would do it all over again to get this in my hands. That's what it's like. Give it up for Johnny. You want to keep those? <laughs> You're welcome to use those. <laughs> I consider that our present suffering what we're going through right now, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Amen? 
Now, who wrote that? Tell me who wrote that. Paul. Remember what we talked about last week? This is the man who was beaten five times to within inches of his life. He received that cat of nine tails, 30, 40 lashes minus one. I think he received it like four or five times. He was left for dead outside of his city. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned. He was um, been without food. He's been without things. He's been without clothes. I mean, he has been through suffering beyond our imagination. And he's the one who says, guys, I don't even think we can compare what we're presently going through to the glory that we're going to be given one day. So I don't care what you're going through right now. You can't compare it to the glory that's going to be revealed in you one day. I know it's hard. I know there are days where it seems like you can't take one more step. You want so bad to give up. You want to go and you want to ring that bell. But I want to encourage you, don't. Don't settle for the instant gratification that doesn't last long at all. Don't run to the pleasures of sin that just lead to death. No, you look forward. You look forward to the glory that one day will be revealed in you because I'm telling you, you can't even come close to comparing the two. Suffering, yeah, is bad. But the glory, oh boy, it's going to be awesome. You cannot compare the two. And don't ever lose sight of that. Always keep focusing on that. And you know what I think the best way that we can do that is to simply look at Jesus as our example. Remember, He's our rabbi. He's our teacher. He's the one who shows us how to do everything right. And so keep your eyes on Him. Let me show you what Jesus did just as a perfect example for us. In Hebrews chapter 12, you know this verse. It says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You see that? Jesus set that joy before Him. He focused on that future joy, and in doing so, He was able to endure the cross. When Jesus faced His hell week, when the sin of the world came crushing down upon Him in the garden, He began to sweat drops of blood because of the immense suffering He was going through more than any human being ever has and more than any human being ever will. And yes, he cried out to God. He said, God, is there any other way that you can remove this cup from me? Three times he begged God. And you know what? God didn't take it away from him. God did not pluck him out of it. The storm continued to rage. The wind continued to blow. The waves continued to crash down upon his broken body. But in the midst of that, this is what Jesus said, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. I'm not going to ring the bell. And he endured through it all. He did not quit. And you want to know why? Because he saw the future joy. He set it before him. And after having endured the cross and that shame, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so the author of, the he- of Hebrews is saying, listen, I know it's hard. I know you may want to quit. I know you're about to lose heart. You want to ring that bell, but don't. Focus on Jesus. Look at what he did. 
He endured horrible, horrible, horrible opposition from sinful men, and he didn't give up. Let him be your example. Focus on him, and I guarantee you the glory that you will receive, the reward you will get in the end, won't even be compared to the present suffering you're going through right now. It will blow you away. And so, Whitestone, can you listen to me right now? I know many of you are going through storms. Difficult, crazy hard storms. I want to say this to all of us, including myself. And I say myself because, you know what, as a pastor, it doesn't make me any special at all. I'm weak. I make tons of mistakes. I keep running to ring the bell in my life. So what I'm about to say applies to me as well, but it applies to all of us. Listen to me. I know you may be going through hell week in your life right now. And you know what? The truth is we're probably going to go through a lot of hell weeks in our life during the course of our life. And the temptation is, is to give up and to give in. But with all the passion that I can muster this morning, please, please hear me. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep clinging to Jesus. Because you know what? Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the Alpha and Omega. He is our sovereign Lord. And you know what? He is the best one we could ever disciple ourselves after. So let's do it. Let's follow after Him. Let's follow His example. Let's listen to what He has to say. Let's obey His commands. Yes, I know it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. And there are days where we're going to want to give up and ring that bell and sit by that fire and sip on our hot chocolate. You're going to want to give it all up and throw in the towel. But please, please don't, Whitestone. Don't do it. Cling to Jesus. Even when you can't see Him. Even when you can't sense Him. Even when it seems like He doesn't care. Cling to Jesus. And here's why. Let's look at the words of Jesus again. He says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen? By clinging to Jesus, we are clinging to the One who has overcome the world. And if He overcame the world, then by the Spirit of God that is in us as well, we can overcome the world. Amen? So cling to Him. Cling to Jesus. Hang on to Him with everything that you got. Follow Him. Because it is the only way that we're going to make it. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I know that there are many in our midst today who are just suffering and incredibly difficult things in their life right now. And God, it is hard to focus on that future. That future glory. That future reward. It's so easy to just get stuck in the storm we're in and not be able to see past it. But God, I pray that Your glory would break through those storm clouds and that darkness and shine down on these people. And may they experience You. May they experience Your goodness and Your love. And may You give them the courage and the strength to continue on. To hang on to You with everything they've got. And God, I pray that You would protect them from evil 
from evil people and the evil one. And may your kingdom come and your will be done in their lives just as it would be in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.